Welcome back to yet another episode of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We are the retro show where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the baby boomer years, the movies, the books, the magazines, the radios, the TVs, and all of the fun stuff in between. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And it's that time of year, Smitty. The leaves are turning. Yes, they are. They're falling off the branches. The smell of chimneys, the smell Mm. of fireplaces wafting through the air. Yes, and because it's autumn, we've got two very good guests here, very good friends of ours, none other than the people who bring you folks out there if you decide to listen to Res Radio's version of what we've got over here. They are John and Susan Fox. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Good, good morning. Good, good. You're doing fine. So happy to have the both of you here with us today. Happy Thanks. to be here. We're talking today about memories of fall, harvest, autumn, Christmas time, the... Uh, End of the year, things tend to slow down, but they do speed up at the shopping malls. And it wasn't quite like that 50 years ago, as we remember, was it, Smitty? No, it wasn't, Mike. It wasn't it as seemed, commercial. It wasn't as commercial, and I think the big thing that I always remember about that time period was that you didn't see Christmas trees in the stores until probably after Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving, not well, in I, September yeah. like you see them now. And, there, and they were fresh Christmas trees. And I think fresh. the majority of families where I grew up in L.A., they got their Christmas tree, if not on Christmas Eve, they got it three or four days before Christmas Eve, not three or four days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. And it just, uh, it starts too early. So by the, I mean, you know, the, we've talked about the, the over-commercialization of Christmas, and I think that's that's part of what we're seeing. And I think that uh, back in those days it was, you had Halloween, Halloween came and went, had Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving came and went, then you got ready for Christmas. And right around autumn, instead of uh, all the stores getting ready for the Christmas season, around autumn, around harvest, October, right after Halloween, in fact, you would start seeing the stores preparing for Thanksgiving because yeah. that was a time decades ago when actually families sat around the same table at the same time on the same day eating the same meal and sharing. That's right. But you know what's happened now is because everything moves so fast, uh, the news, instead of showing the turkey that is about to be transferred into the family's dinner table, you see the crowd shots of all the airports across the country on the evening before Thanksgiving. It wasn't quite like that before. I think people tended to stay home. I think they did, yeah. It just seems like it's more... uh more chaotic now but um we're glad that john and susan are with us and we we wanted to have them with us today on our show because john uh, had more john you had more of a growing up you had more of a more of a rural uh background as as far as growing up and we kind of wanted to do some comparisons uh, as far as uh what this time of the year was like uh in more of a country setting and more of a urban setting like i think the rest of us had uh what are your recollections just off the top of your head uh the last quarter of the year leading into the cold season and knowing that uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas were approaching. Well, it was a great time of year, uh, particularly in the country. And in Southern California, 
Um, probably my favorite season because it doesn't really get all that cold around here. Maybe about to freezing, but that's about it, and rarely if ever snows. We did have one. We had a snow, I remember, back in grade school one time in Fallbrook, and I think I still have a newspaper clipping of it or something like that. But, yeah, that was always my favorite time of year. And, you know, harking back to what Mike was saying just a minute ago about how fast things are moving and how... Um, the advertisements and the merchandising for the holidays just gets earlier and earlier. And, and this year in particular, with the short gap between Thanksgiving and Christmas, all the retailers are 100% Christmas right now, yeah. three weeks before Thanksgiving. Right. And I think it's ironic that as um, communications and everything in life moves faster and faster, that we had so little time to gear up for the holidays back then. Sure. Like you said, most people, or at least a lot of people, didn't get their tree until Christmas Eve. And yeah. so many more ways to get them and, and so many uh, high-tech artificial trees and things these days. Because I remember in Fallbrook, uh, if you bought a tree off a lot, it was the Boy Scouts lot across from Larry's Shell Station on Ammunition Road. That was it. Wow. There were no other Christmas tree lots. Yeah. We always went out to Valley Center and cut one down at a Christmas tree farm. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people did that, but, you know, you didn't have the merchandising. You didn't have it as soon, and you didn't have as many choices. And you talked about, um, you know, Christmas and shopping and heading to the mall in North County. We didn't have any malls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Escondido Village Mall was the first mall in North County in 1964. So up until I was eight years old, you didn't go to the mall. There weren't any. Well, John, you mentioned Fallbrook, and I had the opportunity to live there a few years when my dad and mom bought an avocado grove. When you put your Christmas list together, you put your list together basically the Sears wish list catalog, or you would go what we call downtown on Mission Road, and you'd select from or go to Western Auto, go to the... uh, Go to the drugstore, Harrison's across the street, mm-hmm. and that's how you would pick out the gifts you wanted and write them down and give them to your folks, right? Yep. There, there was no Amazon. There was no shipping, next-day shipping of anything. Now, if you wanted to do your holiday shopping in Fallbrook, well, first off, Harrison's, yeah, a few things, but it was a drugstore, the <laughs> Rexall drugstore, and that was where we went for things like Mother's Day, because yeah. you know, that's where you got the card, the bottle of perfume, something like that. But uh, most of your shopping, if you did it in Fallbrook, um, it was through the Sears catalog outlet, outlet, which was just a little storefront that had virtually no merchandise in the store, just a big counter with a bunch of big fat catalogs, and you ordered things out of it. And Western Auto, which did carry a few things. And that, you know, the two bicycles I got at Western two Auto. particular Christmases were both from Western Auto. And probably the BB guns, right? Mm-hmm. Those were Western Auto specials. They, yeah, the BB guns, bicycles, I forgot what else. But I, you know, I think we were good for a bicycle every eight eight years. Yeah. And me being the oldest, you know how that worked. I tend to remember Western Auto because they used to sell radios. They also sold radios there, <laughs> at least back in the forties. And a lot of weaponry. You could buy ammunition there. The one in Fallbrook, anyway. You buy ammunition, buy pistols, bows and arrows. Bow and yeah. wow. Yeah. How about that? And as I recall, you just go plunk your money down and take it, take it with you. Considering what they had in stock there, it was actually like a miniature version of uh, Sports Authority or something is now. Wow, that's, that's the amazing. kind of things they carried. Wow, how about that? But the Sears Outlet Store, that's right. It, there was nothing there that you could walk in and buy. It was where. My mom would send in the order. I think she mailed it in. The Sears Wish Book had a couple envelopes inside of them with right. an order form, and you'd write what you 
what you wanted and then where you wanted to pick it up. And when it came in, you went down and picked it up. So you picked it up at the outlet store. Yeah. Then yeah. It wasn't uh, shipped it to your house. You went to got it at the outlet store. Yeah, I think you could have them drop, but okay. in the rural areas, you had to go to rural the pick, areas, yeah. go to the Sears outlet store and pick it up. Pick them up because the Sears, I think they used uh, UPS to deliver okay. all their stuff in the '60s. Okay, there was no Amazon though. Susan, what are your well, thoughts for on us, that? Living back east in a rural area, receiving mail was huge. There was no shipping. You got a package from Grandma and Grandpa, and it took six weeks to get to you. And wow. you know that was just a huge memory. And it wasn't fast paced, very slow paced. And you did put up your tree on Christmas Eve and. The days were what they were. They were slow moving after you ate on Thanksgiving, after you opened up. You weren't racing all over the place. You were just relaxing. It was a day you knew everyone was off work, and it just was something that you could just have no obligation except enjoy yourself. And uh, nowadays, that just doesn't happen. I think that's the biggest shame. It just seems like everything's kind of in a frenzy. You're in a frenzy to get your shopping done, and then you're in a frenzy to do whatever you're going to do on Christmas Always. Day. And then you're in a frenzy the day after to go to the sales or to go to return what, mm-hmm. what you don't want to keep. I mean, it just seems like it's so so fast-paced. It really is. Yeah. And I think it takes away all of the fun. I mean, right yeah. now, people are in a frenzy. They see these stores <coughs> all decked out, and, oh, my gosh, they're late shopping, so they're late for this, and... They're beginning to stress out, and I've heard so many people even recently this past week that have said, you know, oh, my gosh, Christmas again, oh, no, instead of, you know, even the adults back in the day were Christmas. It was always food and and just warmth, and, of course, back east, just snuggling in your home and staying warm, going out front, enjoying the snow, family. I think we're really losing that. Yeah. Of course, we were kids. We maybe didn't have the same perception we do now, but it, it just didn't seem like there was that much to do. Yeah. I mean, you had to get your shopping done, you had to get your presents, you had to wrap them, you had to get the tree, but it didn't seem like it was a rush. You know, you had yeah. time to do all that stuff. Right. Well, you Even didn't give gifts d- to everyone in the world either. Yeah. You might give a teacher gift or an employee right. gift, but yeah. you know, you didn't have to give a gift to everyone you knew. Right. You got a couple of really nice gifts for Christmas if you were fortunate. And then it was over. You weren't opening gifts all day long, mm-hmm. although, you know, that could be fun. It but, could be. It could be. <laughs> but if you're re- returning them the next day, maybe not. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, and then there were people that you would call and who would call you on Thanksgiving, people that you might not mm-hmm. talk to but twice a year. Right. Well, now that's useless because you're texting or emailing people twice a day almost. And I remember on in Thanksgiving after the afternoon dinner and – the Detroit Lions were done playing football, the phone would start ringing, and it was Uncle this from somewhere and Aunt that from somewhere, and you'd catch up and talk, and everybody would line up, and you'd pass the phone down the list of people, the kids and aunts and uncles who were there, grandparents who were at the house having Thanksgiving dinner, and everybody would have a word on the phone right. with this person who, in my case, was back in Georgia or even uh, even in Arkansas, and you talk. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, okay, well, good. Well, have a Merry Christmas, and I hope you enjoyed Thanksgiving. And that would be it, maybe, till right. next. You wouldn't talk to them till summer. You'd write letters. It was almost as if telephones were still a novelty yeah, know, in the 60s. it seems like that, yeah. But in a way, compared to today, they were. I mean, who doesn't walk around with a cell phone now? Exactly. And yeah. back then, your phone was hardwired into the house. Maybe you had an extension, but for, I think, maybe the majority of people, you still only had one phone in the house. And you had to 
call long distance. It was all long distance, you know. And that meant going through an operator. It did, yes. There was no direct dialing. Yeah, that's right. Not in the early 60s. In Fallbrook, at least, uh, we were even on a party line at that point. Wow, is that right? So we pick up for one ring. The other house down the street picks up for for two Mm. rings. Wow, how about that? How How many residences were on the party line, do you remember? I think we only had just the two. Okay. Um, maybe early on when I was really young there was more, but I know it got to the point where we were one ring, somebody else was two rings, and so obviously that's the only <laughs> people we were sharing with, and there were only about ten people on our street. Wow. That, that was amazing, picking up the phone to make a phone call and hearing, hearing these two ladies talking, having a conversation on the party line, even in L.A., <laughs> and then you would have... You would have a tone that would generate if there were too many people trying to get on the line at once. The party line was like a siren. And go, Is that right? Ooh. That's weird. That would tell you, uh, sorry, you can't eavesdrop on everybody. Too many people. And yeah. when you made a long-distance call, you uh, had to tell the operator the number you were calling from. They had no idea. Yeah. All they knew was you were trying to put a call through. Wow. And then my dad would say, okay, let's all keep it short because this is a long-distance call. And it's costing we're, money. We're going to get a bill for it's this. It's costing you know, money, exactly. It was four it's or five bucks, but you want to keep want to keep the phone time down to a minimum. Seems almost unreal in this in this era of uh, cell phones with unlimited uh, long-distance, you know, that you were catching, counting the minutes. Okay, we've, we've been on the phone for two and a half minutes. We better wrap this up. <laughs> and of course, now your phone will keep track of the time for you. And who cares? And who cares? You're unlimited it's, anyway. It's free, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even even the holiday specials that would hit right around Thanksgiving, all the way through till almost New Year's, the the Kraft Thanksgiving special right. that would be on NBC, and you couldn't digital video record it. You couldn't DVR it. You better be there in front of the camera. Or in front of the television set at eight o'clock that mm-hmm. night, or you're going to miss it. Right. And it, they wouldn't play it back in summer reruns because it was a holiday piece. It was a topical show. Exactly. And you had Andy Williams, Bing Crosby. Some of those shows were just great. Remember those? And I, you didn't have a lot of entertainment because you had maybe five or six channels. Yeah. John had fewer channels than five or six because he was out. I think you just picked up ten and. Actually, we were really lucky. Fallbrook is the most fabulous place in the world, particularly at that point in time, to live if you were into media, uh, radio or television, because being as close as we were to um, the Orange County border, uh, we actually got San Diego and Los Angeles television. So we actually had 12 channels. Wow. And as far as radio, you could hear both L.A. and San Diego radio stations. Oh, wow. Now, of course... You know, our favorites like KCBQ would drop out at night because yeah. of the pattern change. You wouldn't go north of Poway. And most of the L.A. stations, other than the few non-directional ones, you lost them at night, too. But, I mean, it was a great place for media to grow up in. Were, were you a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade fan, John? Did you get up that early? Because, the, again, those weren't retaped and played again throughout the day. You had to be there, get up, and if you're on the West Coast, you had to get up early because it was 9 o'clock in New York. So if you weren't up at six o'clock to watch the Macy's Day Parade, you're gonna you're gonna miss some of it. Macy's wasn't as big a deal for us. I no. think most years we did get up and watch it, but uh, the the big parade for us, of course, was the Rose Parade. Yeah, being a local right. thing, and I think my mom and dad had actually gone to it and camped out one night. So ever since they were huge fans of it. After that, well, those were an event too. The the Rose Parade, uh, Thanksgiving, I think the week after, or maybe the week before Christmas was the holiday. Holiday Boulevard Christmas Parade? Up in Hollywood? The Hollywood yeah. Lane Hollywood Parade. Lane, Hollywood yeah. Lane Parade. Yeah. That yeah. was on KTLA, and that was a big thing. Yeah. I, people people would stop everything and get home so they could watch that. And a lot of people went out on Hollywood Boulevard when it was safe to do. Now it's a parade of a different type. Yeah. You don't want to go out there after the, dark. You the don't want to go out there after sunrise. <laughs> you know, 
What about your recollections, uh, Susan, uh, parades and things like that, watching them on uh, TV? Macy's and such, especially back east. Yeah. And it was a real tradition. You know, we made time just to sit and watch that, and it was a thrill. And these were the extra special programming and something different than the couple of other channels we got. We we were way out in uh, Rochester, New York, or Fairport, so you didn't rabbit ears around your life. Yeah. So um, absolutely loved all the traditions and uh, traditions of snow. You know, we ice skated in our backyards. We had a canal that went down in front of our home and just would skate all over the place in that. Um, just the traditional things that come with snow. Sometimes no Thanksgiving food traditionally because you had a, a, a huge storm the week before. Wow. So if you weren't stocked up, then you were going to have an improvisational <laughs> menu. And how did you store your turkey until it was time to cook? We stored that turkey outside in a mound of snow. Wow, of course. <laughs> so we'd have room in the, in the fridge. We didn't all have multiple freezers, although perhaps for meat and such bappies. What was it was it pretty usual, uh, Susan, to, for you to have had a, a snowstorm by the time that Thanksgiving rolled Absolutely. around? Absolutely. You know, many years Halloween really? would be snowing. Really? As early as Halloween? Wow. Ra- uh, rain or, or snow on Halloween. How did so, you uh, deal with uh, handle trick-or-treating in a snowstorm? Well, or? we went for it. <laughs> Absolutely. And learn don't ever take a paper bag. <laughs> that was rule number one. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, for us, it was driving around spinning your car in donuts on ice, you know, strips and um, just a lot of really old fashioned memories. For us, uh, we had uh, grandparents in Florida. So when I was very young, I was so perplexed why we would get this big crate of orange juice, kumquat or or grapefruit oranges and kumquats. And this would come to the door every year, and it was very special to everyone. And as a child, I'm thinking, maybe a toy or, you know. <laughs> but year after year, it became a real tradition. And, you know, we moved to California, and and you just take all this for granted. But to have a fresh grapefruit um, it, two days before Christmas, wow. In the delivered to your door. Yeah. In the dead of winter. Absolutely. Wow. So you're out in the snow right about Halloween all the way up till February when things would start to thaw out. So you really did have to improvise. Did you get a, ever get a mission pack from California? No. Remember those, John? Say the magic words. Say mission pack. Who was it? Don? Oh, Don Wilson, the guy from the Jack Benny show. It was a platter of oranges and walnuts, orange slices and walnuts. Dates or something. You'd think nothing of it. Now you go to Trader Joe's, buy your own. But they would hit these TV ads. And Don Wilson, send a mission pack to the folks not as fortunate as us here in sunny California. And I always thought about the people like you over there in in New York where, look, real oranges, walnuts, oh, my gosh, raisins. And they they were big sellers, the mission packs. I know. They from, ran. They ran those all the way in through till Christmas. Yeah, from sunny California. Yeah, <laughs> well, we had the two. We had two traditions in our family. The, the uh, some cousins from back east would always send us a package of figgies, which is, is not figs. It's you know the little uh, prepackaged cheeses and processed oh, cheeses yes, and crackers exactly. and yes and summer sausages and things. And then we would send not them but some uh, relatives we had actually my uh, grandmother and aunts and uncles we with uh, and a cousin we would send. Uh, avocados, oh, because okay. our local Calavo packing house would provide these little yeah. wood crates mm-hmm. with Excelsior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was when it was really fun because later on they switched to um, cardboard, cardboard. And, um, I don't know what the other packing was. 
it was um, kind of yeah. like Easter grass. Like oh, yeah. Corrugated plastic. Yeah. But originally it was little wood crates uh, with Excelsior, and you could pack six avocados, eight if they were small, yeah. and ship them off in you know middle of winter back east where they barely saw avocados ever any time of year. Yeah. It was really something for them. That's amazing. Yeah, ice skating. You know, there were things you got to do, Susan, back there in the snow, in the snowpack, that we didn't get to do here. Ice skating, we'd have to go to Lake Arrowhead and pay a fortune, and my dad wasn't going for that. There was Santa's Village in Lake Arrowhead. I don't know if you've ever been up there. We had a show on tourist traps once, and we forgot to include Santa's Village because that should have kicked off that show. <laughs> that was about as big tourist. Have you ever been to Santa's Village, Gil? I don't think I have. We actually had. drove by there about two yeah. weeks ago. Really? Uh, what's left of it. It closed up, of course, several years ago. Yeah, they're wow. seasonal. I mean, economically seasonal. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they're gone. When, when things were good, they would open up Santa's Village. When things were bad, they'd yeah. shut it That's back true. down. That's true. Do they still have the candy cane markers for the parking lots? No, if you didn't know what it was, you wouldn't know it was no. Santa's Village. Wow. But the buildings are still there. Yeah, what a gag that was. That's you, know, amazing, you have to yeah. go up to Lake Arrowhead and do a little ice skating at the ice rink, then go to Santa's Village. That was a great way to remove your mom and dad from about 30 or 40 bucks, which nowadays would be <laughs> three or 400 <laughs> Easily. Back in the 60s, let's go to Santa's Village. Looks at, it's on TV, Dad. Santa's there. Yeah, Santa's down at the Bank of America, too. <laughs> All right? You're Santa's not going to get homemade candy. You're going to get orange slices because that's what our Santa Claus gives <laughs> exactly. on York Boulevard. There you go. Well, we're visiting with our friends John and Susan Fox here on the Galaxy Moonbeam Nights, and we're talking about... Uh, the uh, holiday seasons and as we rapidly approach holiday season here so we're going to pause right now for a retro commercial and we'll be back with more holiday memories and stay tuned don't go away you're listening to galaxy moonbeam nightside on the galaxy nostalgia network with five different flavors with extra flavor for the whole family and every stripe luscious lime stripe lip smack and lemon stripe delicious orange stripe mixed fruit and cherry stripe for you in every pack of beech nut fruit stripe gum by beech nut by gum by tea by gum by king by gush and there's extra flavor for the whole family in every scrumptious stripe more flavor to choose more flavors to choose the flavor starts lively the flavor stays lively by beech nut by beech nut by gum by gum beech nut fruit stripe for the whole family by gum yeah, Beach Nut Fruit Stripe by Gum. Try and get that jingle passed through a program director nowadays on the radio in this time of political correctness, Smitty. Yeah. Ooh, we're back here, Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We have a great cross collection of people here today. There's four of us, but we always like to make our listeners think there's a lot of us. Yes. Because, oh, well, there is. We have the engineer, we have the program director. That's just you and I. Yeah. But we're talking about holiday seasons of past. And when I say cross-section, we've got my good partner Smitty here who grew up in San Diego, sunny San Diego. I grew up in the deep urban area of northeast Los Angeles. And we have John and Susan Fox. John grew up in er, in the rural area of Southern California known as Fallbrook, avocado country. And Susan has some stories to tell about the great blizzard of 19 whenever when the place didn't thaw out in the, in the east coast of the United States, didn't thaw out to the middle of August. Ooh. 
And boy, were those mosquitoes hungry when they came out of <laughs> hibernation. But it's good to have you all back here. We are Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside. Susan, talk to me a little bit more about what happened. Was it your area where you grew up where they referred to when the frost is on the pumpkin around Halloween? Absolutely. Did the frost get on the pumpkin? What did that mean? I really don't know. Pumpkin ice cubes? I, I suppose it meant that they were getting a, an early cold uh, front oh. coming through. Now, as a kid, okay. where, where you maybe don't have a whole lot of patience, what was the worst winter? Do you recall it just, like, never ending? Because obviously you had snow for anywhere from three to five months. There were many. In Rochester, New York, at Fairport, even more snow. It, it was unbelievable. It's like the, some of the worst snow in the country. Mm. So it was endless. And as one memory is, you know, the parents come home from work or the father. You go out, you shovel the driveway, and right before he gets there, the uh, the clearer comes through, uh, the ice truck, and just piles it all right back on your driveway. So we got good at just multiples all day wow. long. Wow. Um, so and you didn't just go outside. It was a project getting ready to go outside. It was like it was like the uh, the scene with Randy in A Christmas Story. Yeah. You know, the, truly, the tick ready to pop. Yeah. <laughs> truly was. We walked to school, and it was downhill, so you bundled up in everything that you had. And when you got to the top of the hill, you essentially just held on to your books and slid down because you were tired of falling down the wow. wrong way. Wow. So we yeah. all just slid down into school you hang up all of your mittens and your jackets and your snow pants, but then you put them back on at the end of the day, and they're just soaking wet. Yeah, So no one seemed to master the idea of bringing two sets of, of clothes to school. <laughs> it wouldn't have come to me till now, but, yeah, I think that was the worst for me wow. uh, of being a child at school during the winter. And I guess we don't stop to think about that when we're kids, because I remember when I was little and I was going, I wish it would snow. It would be so neat to be in the snow. But yet, you know, uh, there's a whole other side to that. Yeah. And we did have that one time. I think it was either 67 or 66. And I don't know if San Diego got it. I know there's one snow on record in San Diego. But in right. Fallbrook, uh, one December, I believe it was on the 6th or 8th, early in December, we got snow one year. Wow. And, of course, it's not supposed to freeze there. Being an agricultural area, particularly the type of agriculture, when it goes below 32, everybody starts worrying. And it got down to, I think, the mid-20s wow. in early December that year. And one morning I woke up to get ready to go to school. The clock radio went off, and Happy Hair was on there, and we heard that it was snow in Fallbrook. Wow. Uh, in fact, I remember the uh, clock radio clicked on, and the very first words I heard were, and two to four inches of snow in Fallbrook. Did and you run to the window and look out? I did. Out? <laughs> I went and I looked outside. Whoa, that is snow. I ran into the parents' room. I said, it's snowing. And they looked at me like, what the heck have you gotten into and what are you on? <laughs> and then they, and, you know, Dad, of course, we had a um, an avocado and citrus grove. So the first thing he did was, oh, my God. And he looks out the window, oh, no. Go light the tires. But because it got down into the mid-20s, uh, the snow actually acted as an yeah. insulator. So things would have frozen a lot worse without it. Oh, okay. Time. Okay. Sure. But the, the two inches of snow was enough to call school off for the day because the drivers were not... Uh, trained and driving in snow. Right, there was right. no chains for the buses, so they called off school immediately. Wow, I'm wow. sure that must have been a fun day for you, playing outside the snow. It was right? great. <laughs> you remember when it would freeze in the groves and the, 
all the help would be called out in the middle of the night to light smudge light, pots. light old smudge pots and old tires. Mm-hmm. That would go over real well with the EPA nowadays, wouldn't it? That would be. I don't think they can do that anymore. But you'd have no, no, you have truckloads of old tires, throwing them off and going back in the groves, lighting them up in smudge pots, trying to keep the keep the smoke and the heat moving so you, you can save the crops. You lose an avocado crop, and guess what? <laughs> You're not going to have any Christmas next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and down at the mission. Smudge pots, of course, you had to use in combination with wind machines. Uh-huh. So uh, we didn't have them because it was so non-freezing yeah. in our particular area. But further east, like around the 15 and east of I-15, which, of course, at the time was Highway 395, uh, those places all had wind machines mm-hmm. because they routinely got down into the 20s. And you'd have to create the heat with the smudge pots and then uh, blow it around, circulate mm-hmm. it with the wind machines. Mm-hmm. Or if it was just lightly freezing, just the wind machines alone, because your inversion layers are so different from 10 feet off the ground to 30 feet off the mm-hmm. ground to 100 feet off the ground, you know, there could be 10 degrees difference in temperature. Right. It's amazing. Our worst storm memory, mine, I was very young, mm-hmm. was Fort Wayne, Indiana, where we had no electricity for a week in the snow. So you were freezing inside just... As it was outside, your toilets froze over. They wouldn't flush. Wow. Uh, your water barely ran. We cooked uh, baked goods for the whole neighborhood for five days. We were the only gas oven. Wow. So we were fortunate enough to be warm in the kitchen <laughs> and do all the cooking for the whole neighborhood. Wow. And that was really something. Isn't that, yeah. It's just almost for those of us that, uh, Mike, for you and I that grew up here in Southern California, it's almost inconceivable to think of that. That'd be so cold, and uh, you know. Yeah, we get a power outage, and people yeah. go into shock. People go into shock now. I won't be able to <laughs> charge my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all do. The <laughs> first year, yeah, we we moved here. I thought, now this really is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a difference from uh, back there. It really it? was. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're out tripping around today in short sleeves. People wearing shorts, walking out. And the beach is packed today, and I think about the folks on the East Coast, even as early as November. Yeah. Uh, they're going into the closet where they kept all their winter clothing and shaking the smell of camphor out of it, you know, the bug spray and the camphor and the mothballs. And uh, you mentioned Rochester. That's the home of Kodak. Speaking of Kodak, mm-hmm. how about all those great Christmas photos yeah. Yeah. that we hope we never get to have to look at again <laughs> to explain to people why we were dressed like that? Yes. And the technology for taking those photos. Oh, right. Remember Instamatic cameras? Oh, sure. Flash cubes? Yeah, flash cubes. Those were such great technical innovations. Now we don't even have film anymore. I know. You get, first, you, you get the blue dot flash bulbs, yeah. and you'd be blind for a while. And then if you were the type of family that got into motion pictures, Super 8, you'd send right. it off somewhere, take it down, send it off, and it'd be three weeks before you got it back. And you only had, what, 50 feet of film? Yeah, just a very short... Uh, but I remember the first little camera I had was a Kodak Instamatic with the, the little square... The, squ- the cube? The cube, yeah. and it would rotate around. And, and those really were a great innovation, yeah. because before that you had bulbs. bulbs. Well, what did you do? You took a picture, the bulb fried itself, it became molten glass. What do you do with it? you got to get it out of the out of the yeah. socket so you can take your next picture, mm-hmm. but you got to wait for it to cool. Either yeah. that or you drop this molten glass on... 
you know, yeah. Aunt Minnie's table and ruin the <laughs> <laughs> ruin her doily. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you were the uh, family photographer, right? With I was a family for, uh, photographer to the point where now I don't like taking pictures because I took so many of them when I was a kid, and it's kind of like, oh, Gilbert, take pictures, take pictures. No. But the po- <laughs> the poses where the kids you'd come, your cousins would come over, and it would always you would always be posed in front of the tree. Yeah. And everybody, all the kids had the look on their face like they're about ready. To board a bus for the state penitentiary. <laughs> Nobody seen. It was supposed to be a happy occasion, but first of all, you didn't like the cousin three over. You, right. you kind of liked the girl cousin, but she was three years older than you, so there was no way that was ever going to happen. And then you had the little brats. You had two or three of the little guys yeah. below, and everybody wore the stupid sweaters with the deer antlers. Remember those? Uh, Did you have one? You weren't too happy about the fact that they were made out of wool. Yeah. Yeah. Sticky, itchy, itchy wool. Hot. The furnace was always on in the house. Itchy wool. And, and you were sweating in these, and you wish you could be somewhere else because if this photograph ever appears in my school, <laughs> uh, uh, you think there's a bully problem nowadays. You know, there was a bully problem when you wore the stupid sweater with Rudolph on the front, and he'd have the little, uh, the puffy nose, the red nose. Yeah. And if you were, if you were really relegated to the to the doomed cellar of embarrassing moments during Christmas, you would have the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger with the red nose that would light yeah. and flash red. Yeah. Unfortunately, girls got away with that. Yeah, now yeah. Em- yeah. embrace those <laughs> garments. <laughs> yeah. Did you wear silly sweaters to school at Christmas? No, actually, I wore fancy Christmas clothes. And Well, I know you were famous for outfit of the day. Yes. I and was... never repeating it ever once during oh, the school year. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you must have had quite an assortment of uh, clothes then. It pays to be ten, 10 years younger than your brothers. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> the apple the of long-awaited yes. girl in the family. Oh, okay, who gets everything she wants. Well, uh, almost. 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 Can't complain. Uh, Could do without the older brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, that is true, though. The uh, technology for taking the pictures, you know, back then you'd take these... Uh, rolls and rolls of film, take them in, have them develop. You wouldn't get them back until some weeks later. And, uh, and now it was it's exciting. Exciting to get Absolutely. the pictures back. Absolutely. You'd yeah. wait and wait. You'd wait. And, oh, boy, these are the pictures from Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it was different from even just a few years ago when you used right. to drop them off at Costco and come back two years later. You literally waited a week or two. Right. Because you had some little local place, and they sent it to somewhere else, and they waited until they got a big batch to send it off to the factory to be developed. You'd come back to your mailbox in a yellow box, a Kodak box with stamps all over it. Wow. And I wonder where this came from. This is so cool. You couldn't wait to watch it, but... Mm-hmm. My dad was the only one that was allowed to use the Super 8 projector. And you put the sheet up over the back of the couch and make a movie theater. And everybody sat around for all all three minutes of whatever it was we had the movie on. That's about it. Yeah, 50 feet of film, about three minutes, something like that. How about, when the, how about this Christmas, the holiday season when the first Polaroids came out? Not the old 1948 versions that, that were heavier than your car, but the ones where everybody can use a Polaroid now and you take the Polaroid shot and it had the blue lens over the flash to somehow color correct, which it never did, but the best part was pulling the photo out of a Polaroid and there's this coating that was in yeah, a little that. container. Mm-hmm. Remember that. You get high as a kite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I was at Christmas, yeah, there's a picture of Christmas. They told me I had a good time. <laughs> does does that explain yeah. how you are the way you are now, Mike? You, yes, it you, could. you breathe too many of those Polaroid fumes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was either that or mimeograph copies. Oh yeah. yeah. I, uh, oh, yeah I went the Linda Ronstadt route once and said it was a deviated septum and I had to have it surgically <laughs> fixed. But the stuff you'd how about the locomotive smoke for the electric train 
you could get pretty bouncy off of that stuff too. It came in a bottle. You'd put drops in it, and everybody had a train that went around the Christmas tree. I had a train, yeah, and a choo-choo train, and it would puff smoke. Well, the smoke was interesting. I'm sure today it's a Schedule Four controlled substance. Yeah. And some of the toys they used to sell oh, back then, yeah. vacuform. Boy, there were some fumes that came off of that thing. <laughs> wow, I, those were pure plastic tuline, and you'd make vacuum form little items and. Of course, you'd always go against the manual, the suggestions, John. I'm not going to use my vacuum form to make canoes and catamarans. I'm going to make something cool like counterfeit nickels. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd come in a sheet, and you'd heat this thing up. You'd pump it up, and it'd get hot. The burn wards love that. You know, wow. they built new new buildings to the local emergency room burn ward on all the kids that came in day after Christmas with vacuum form burns. You had vacuum forms, erector sets. Erector sets, yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> How many pieces got swallowed by your little brother? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, there were creepy crawlers, mm-hmm. where, which was basically like vacuum form, except you ate what you made. Mm. Oh, okay. That had to be healthy. It was edible, supposedly. Huh? Incredible edibles. <laughs> Did you have a motorific torture track, John, where, and then have your... Have a relative on Christmas Day. You got your cool HO set, your slot car, or your motorific torture track. <laughs> your cousin would put his big head right on the track to watch mm-hmm. the car come by, and it almost took an eye out. <laughs> the eye, and guess the, what? It moves a little faster than you thought. You yeah, thought exactly. coming at you. Coming, you know, the eye patch business boomed in the sixties. It did, yeah. What about uh, girls' toys? Dolls, of course. And, well, I like uh, the boys' toys. Did you? But the girls' toys as well. My, I think my biggest was Thumbelina. Mm-hmm. And we have stories of uh, all the men in our family, my beloved Thumbelina, year after year, <laughs> she was my gal, and they would play football with her, and oh I would run Keep away. person to person, you know, Thumbelina, <laughs> oh, Thumbelina. That's how I got my exercise. Your, your grandfather <laughs> referred to her as Stupid Lena, It would be stupid. Oh, stupid Lena. Oh, oh. Yeah. Did, Susan, did you have an easy bake-up? I was just going to ask that. You know, I did. She, seemed, she seemed like the kind that would have the like easy bake-up. Like an easy bake-up. Yeah. yeah, have yeah. to have the easy bake-oven. And, you know, one of my first memories of a really great gift I wanted was a tape recorder. It was the first, it took a little tape, and I don't even remember what it was called. It was red, but I, uh, this is age eight for me, so we're talking uh, way back. Do you re- so age eight, that would have still been reel-to-reel, right? You know, it actually was, I believe, reel-to-reel. Reel-to-reel, yeah. Concord, yeah. Yeah. Concord made those. One year I got a Craig reel-to-reel. You got a Did Craig, you, yeah. I, got, I got the Concord. It was called the sound camera. Is that what it was? And it was reel-to-reel, and you couldn't spool up the reels properly. But I remember that's all I wanted. That's all I cared about. That That's all I lived for was to get a Concord reel-to-reel portable tape recorder so I could be a news correspondent there and go, go out and tape the news. Uh, the problem go. was I couldn't figure the tape thing out, and the other problem was nobody wanted to hear my version of the news. <laughs> well, those were cool, but we're talking about the Easy Bake Oven. Remember the story? Susan, I'm not going to... I'm not going to. Well, the statute of limitations has fallen off, so you could probably tell this story. Did you switch out the 25 watt Easy Bake Oven light bulb to the 60 in, in hopes that it would or make higher or you higher. Could cook the cupcakes faster? <laughs> I just might have, okay. and we didn't limit it to cupcakes. You know, Barbie shoes. <laughs> yeah. and well, who was talking when we were doing? We, we 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 covered the Easy Bake Oven on a previous show about sticking with the GI Joe heads in there and cooking them or something. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd burn things, and you'd make cupcakes. Easy Bake would come with these packets. Yeah. And it would say, pour one packet into your Easy Bake cookie oven or your cookie, your pan, 
I think, well, okay. And, and wait 20 minutes. And it was a light bulb. That was the oven. Right, the oven is a light bulb. So if a, if a 25 watt takes 40 minutes, then a 60 watt should only take about 20 minutes because we don't want to wait. And instead, after the fire department left <laughs> and, you know, when I was allowed out of my bedroom, when my dad said, yeah, your two days is up, you can come back out. <laughs> but you're going to have to go to the fire station and apologize for what you've done. Uh, the toys were, they were a lot more fun to break than they were to have because you'd you get bored, like the Easy Bake, all the cool things. We put worms in there. I was just going to say, with yeah. brothers, you know, it yeah. was the insect torture chamber. Yeah, the torture <laughs> chamber. Yeah. Who needs a magnifying glass it, when you got an Easy Bake oven? Exactly. Now, did, but did you actually? But now you make the little cakes and cupcakes and whatever, whatnot. And sure. Did you? Then you'd make them and all oh, here, mom, dad, try a try one of my cupcakes. Or yeah. Something. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're great parents. They they yeah. were kind. Yeah. <laughs> Very kind. But nobody ever wanted to buy the refills. You know. The refills were quite expensive yeah, back then. Right. So when you ran out of, uh, you know, your allotment, right. you know, you were really uh, addicted as a child. Yeah. So yeah. until you can get to the store in the winter and re- refill. Was there something special about them that you couldn't use regular stuff? You know, I think we believed it- there was. There probably was not. We've learned nowadays but I, you know, we were led to believe, no, you can't put anything else in that. It was what, just some kind of a mixture where you just added water to it, there, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah. it was cake mix, but it was measured so that oh, it, that okay. it would most of the time come out like it was supposed to. It was like the chemistry sets. Remember those? Yeah. F- create forty chemistry experiments with these chemicals, and you have all these bottles, forty bottles, and you have a beaker and an alcohol burner and everything. You threw the manual away. We're going to try a spoonful of everything and mix it up and see what happens. And you have this purple concoction that's bubbling and boiling yeah. and giving off these fumes. And we, we, alcohol burner, yeah, we don't need alcohol burner, burner, not when we got an easy-bake oven. Yeah, it's, it's amazing we're here to talk about that. Where's that Just, spare gasoline can? Oh, we can talk about the gas engines, the Winmax, the prop engine cars, how they there aren't more kids walking around with no fingers. But when we get back, we'll talk about even more holiday fun with our guests here. We have Susan Ann John Fox from Res Radio up to the north of us, up in Pala, California. There are guests here in the studio today. You are listening to Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. Don't go away. Retromercial coming up. It's so handy having Q-tips round the house. You can do so much with Q-tips round the house. Your pets deserve loving care. Clean their ears, eyes, and paws with gentle Q-tips cotton swabs. It's so handy having Q-tips round the house. You can do so much with Q-tips for hygienic first aid. Sterilized Q-tips are the safe way to apply ointments and antiseptics to little cuts and scrapes right on the spot. And Q-tips have a soothing touch. They're soft as pussy willows. You can do so much with Q-tips for your baby. Q-tips were first made for babies and have been used by doctors, nurses, and mothers for over a quarter of a century. Now modern families find so many uses for Q-tips, they keep a box in every room. It's so handy having Q-tips round the house. Well, that's probably one of the uh, oddest retro commercials you'll hear, but it was a pretty cool jingle. I thought it was pretty nice. Anyway, welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Smitty with my good buddy Mike B. 
And Susan and John Fox from Res Radio are with us today. We're talking about old uh, time uh, memories, Christmas time, holiday memories. And uh, Susan, during the break, you were commenting that uh, one of the neat things about seeing those old pictures is looking at the toys you had and what you were doing back then. It's stuff that you forget about all these years later. Absolutely. Reminiscing of all those toys that are just completely out of your mind and barrel of monkeys and just the different we had the little cash registers and the store goods that were made out of you know cardboard your bananas were cardboard your apples were cardboard um just nothing was what it needed to be today and we did so well with it i mean that was exciting stuff Uh, let me ask you did most of your all you guys most of your best christmas presents were they surprises or were they something that you asked for and begged for and knew that you were going to get Begged. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the ones it, you really knew. wanted, and you made sure mom and dad knew you wanted knew them. Knew it, had to have it. Begged. Okay. I think it depends on what. Yeah. Because in my family, everybody got to choose a big present, and the rest of it was just stuff, you know, socks and yeah. vinyl something. And yeah. follow up: Did anybody ever get one of those big presents that mom and dad said, "No, no, I'm sorry, you're not going to," and then? Christmas came and, and they surprised it. you. And you oh, got that it happened anyway. all the time. Like yeah. the Red Rider. That's yeah. that's the only way that my parents could throw us off the track was just out of the way. There's no way we can afford anything like that this year. You know, your dad works hard and times are tough. And it was a Strombecker full length uh, slot car set. Well, okay, shine that on. All right, yeah, I'm going to get the model of the B17 is what I'm going to get. <laughs> and then Christmas morning, you'd walk out there and you'd have the slot car track. He would assemble it, which was really cool. This is ready to go. I think, John, getting mm-hmm. back to your initial question, I think the thing was that you asked for something and then you were hopeful that you would get it or you would you would send Santa Claus a letter. Oh, I wanted this, I wanted that. And you were hopeful that it would be under the tree Christmas morning. And um, I, don't, I don't think I was uh, uh, disappointed uh, all that much. I think it was always something that I had kind of asked for and it was there. Although some of the surprises were kind of neat, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever asked for an erector set, but I got an erector set and I had tons of fun with it. I wish I still had it. Well, Gilbert, you certainly should have gotten an I, erector yes, set. Yes, I should have gotten a Gilbert erector set. In fact, I think I did have a Gilbert erector did set. Did you have a Gilbert electric train layout? No, I had a, a Lionel electric train. Oh, but that's your middle name. Gilbert Lionel Smith uh, is in the office today. I may have to change my middle name. Then. Did you put it together? <laughs> did you get a big box and have to... F- figure it out yourself did your dad assemble it on christmas eve it was very simple it was only just the, well yeah. my initial one was just the oval track not even a figure eight no but mm-hmm. the following christmas got the rest of the components to make the figure eight mm-hmm. and a little and a little tunnel and so i was adding stuff to it so two christmases in a well, row you don't have your photo album here Gilbert, i do not but i don't can can you redo the look that you made when you'd open this <laughs> big box and you thought it was something way cool and it turned out to be clothes and you had to act like wow this is sure cool grandma and grandpa thanks so much for the cardigan sweater and the wingtips well i had to, <laughs> i had some uh, some cousins that gave me the same gift two years in a row and I, uh, I don't know if it was a, a it was probably a, it was a uh, game. It was a, some kind of a game. And I really had to do a good acting uh, job the second year in a row. Oh, wow, thanks. 
And I said, you gave me this last year. <laughs> Did you really? And yeah, that really happened. That really happened. I, they gave me the same gift. And I'm kind of going That's like, crazy. Uh, yeah. I guess their kids were done with it. They were done with it. They, they repackaged it and cleaned it up. And or they bought them by the gross. They did. Know. They yeah. may have gotten a, a clearance a clearance deal on them. Yeah. Well, there, there was Christmas no's as far as gifts. And one of the Christmas no's I can remember were the educational gifts. They were mm. always so boring. And clothes. Because you'd get clothes, and you had to act like, wow, thanks a lot. These are really neat. I can't, yeah, what were they? they were plaid shirts, basically, and you already had two of them. And you didn't need any more clothes. You wanted other stuff, non-clothing-related stuff. So you would get clothes, and you'd say, is there any hope that I'm going to get something I like this Christmas? And then on Christmas morning is when you got the neat stuff. I remember the big ear. This was a thing you could... It was a big plastic dome, and you on a tripod, you can set it outside, and you could hear what the neighbors were saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> if the neighbors were seven feet away from you. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. And, and false advertising was rampant in the 60s. The, the Sears wish book, it should have been called, also known as the Book of Lies, <laughs> because it will break, or it will not anywhere, shape, or form do what we're telling you it's going to do, but have your mom and dad send 47 bucks, and it'll look cool on Christmas, be broken by New Year's. Sounds like something out of the Johnson Smith catalog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the best surprise gifts I ever got was a book. And you think, oh, gee, boring gifts. Uh, Guinness Book of World Records. And I knew nothing about it at the time. And I got it out of the middle of nowhere, and it was fascinating. And I would take it to school every day, and everybody else thought it was fascinating. I was like the most popular kid at recess because of this Guinness Book of World Records, which this must have been like 67, 68 when they first started mm-hmm. publishing them. When did they first start publishing them? But it did, I, I had never heard of them, and I still haven't really heard of them much before that. Yeah, I love the books. The books, the books were the exception because, yeah. of course, I would have rather had the big ear eavesdropping device. But get books, and and what I would get, John, was the were the almanacs, the yearly almanac that would come out. It was the Herald Examiner almanac. That was so cool. It was thick, and there were thousands of details in there. Things I'd lay awake at night and. The mosquito population in in Burma, just <laughs> oddly known facts, but I felt that that was incredible. Also, the information that you could get uh, that you could get from drugstores, the Christmas specials, the calendars, the little goodies that oh, sure, yeah. you could get that were actually informative. And because you know, let's get down to it. Most of the cool stuff you wanted for Christmas when you were ten, eleven, twelve years old, the batteries would burn out by New Year's Day. Or you'd run out of film, or you'd run out of flashbulbs, or it would break. So actually the clothes and the and the almanacs were the most reasonable gifts you could get. Because February, March, you still had them. Battery-operated things were the worst. Yeah. Oh. You, you think batteries are a nuisance now. Stuff back then was so inefficient. Eight through ba- D-cells D-cell. in no time yeah, at all. Exactly. And you never had spares. No. But I, uh, I also got books for... Uh, for Christmas that I like. I like books. I got some real interesting books that I got from Christmas that I still have, by the way. How about you, Susan? Did you I did. Books? Yeah. got books. Girls' books. Yeah. Yeah. you still have the Nancy Drew collection? I did not do Nancy Drew. No, not. I don't We're know a Nancy Drew type. Yeah. Nancy what? Drew files are a weird bunch, you know. To this day, they have every one they ever got. It was like being in the Junior Scholastic Book Club, but I got you figured out for Let Me Think. The Amelia Earhart story. That's what I... Did you have all those? Did you have her whole collection? No, I didn't. Oh. I It was... 
for some reason I took single books. I didn't yeah. follow series. Series, yeah. Yeah, I was probably a, a D- ADDH child. Uh. <laughs> no. But, you know, I, for me, I think Christmas Eve, some of the traditions, like assembly, you know, people would gather around in their garages, in the snow, the adults would have cocktails, and you're assembling all the gifts. It's exciting for the next day. The kids really yeah. don't know about them. They would, didn't purchase them themselves, and they were stashed in your garage to be brought out. Right. But I think some of the, just those simple traditions, my brother worked at a department store, and on Christmas Eve, he would be able to purchase one or two Christmas items at 50% yeah. off. And I would wait up until 1 in the morning for him to get home just to see what we got that year. And now 50% off is, well, it's Halloween yeah, so, or exactly. Thanksgiving. Yeah, but yeah. no, some of those little uh, Christmas Eve traditions that were really just so small and insignificant, but we don't really seem to share them as, as often now. Susan, I stop and think about just there was something, uh, at least when I was a kid, and even today, there's just something special in the air about Christmas Eve. I love it's, Christmas yeah, Eve to this just day. Something, mm. There's just something special in the air. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking, as we've been doing here today, thinking back about earlier years, I think that it's good to remember, and I think that in a lot of ways we kind of still keep that feeling from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, I think today a lot of people don't observe it the way that we did when we were growing up, but... Uh, it was a very special day. I think it does, for many, still feel that way. Yeah. It's just the new interpretation. You know, for those of us that remember differently, maybe those are warmer memories to mm-hmm. us, but I think it holds, even with the commercialism, it still holds that specialness, especially Christmas Eve, the build. So Every little thing seemed to mean more back then, and uh, maybe that's a function of the slower world, but it's like, uh, you know, a Christmas carol. You took it to heart. You know, it really meant, and <laughs> our generation, where did we first hear it? Mr. Magoo's version. Yeah. But uh, it was just as effective as the original or any of the movies that have uh, you know, been shot in Hollywood. The Mr. Magoo cartoon version of Christmas Carol really influenced kids, made a lot. You know, you, you got the, uh, the sentiment and the meaning behind it. And I think that's what uh, bothers me personally about uh, today, you know, is just uh, really the meaning of Christmas somehow, somehow gets hidden behind all of the commercialism and the rush to buy things mm-hmm. and take things back. And, and then, of course, Charlie Brown Christmas. The Charlie Brown Christmas. The which, point of that was the world is becoming too commercialized. Well, yes. gee, that was 50 years ago, so exactly. where are we now? Where are we now? Exactly. It was exciting, though, that time of year to have friends over family. That's what you look back and you remember that more than you remember. You can't remember what you got for Christmas in 1967. I can't. Mm -hmm. I have the Sears Wish book. I knew what I wanted, and I knew a couple of things I got. But you never forget the times when your cousins came over, your grandparents, and they'd sit around and, and maybe somebody got something like a... Like a give a show projector, remember right. that? The oh, camera? I had one, yeah. And all the cousins would come over and get the kitchen chairs and go in the bedroom and put a sheet up over on the wall and have the chairs like a movie theater, and you'd show these slides. Try and explain that to a kid nowadays with the Game Boy, where the whole show was the Yogi Bear show, and the <laughs> give a the give a show projector was six slides of Yogi That's Bear. There were stills. Yogi, right. hi, Boo Boo, and you you remember that? It was essentially a lighted cartoon strip from that's the Sunday paper. That's all it was. That's what it was. Exactly. That's exactly but, what But it that was. was so big, and that's, back in that day, that's what we called interactive. Or a game like Mattel, like Mousetrap, where you'd build the big thing out of plastic, and you'd get to the top, and you'd have the cage, and... The Rube Goldberg contraption to the catch Rube the Goldberg, mouse. Yeah, and it would come out of nowhere, and the 
the ball bearing would roll down and, and yeah. knock the cage, knock, the, knock the thing down on the poor little unwitting mouse, <laughs> things like that. Uh, you, you, you actually had a chance to think back in that generation, figure yeah. something out. You know, a lot more creativity. It wasn't all done for you. You didn't flip a lighted piece of glass and and talk to your friend in Atlanta, Georgia. Exactly. You waited till Christmas. And asked your dad if we had it, if we had any money for the long distance call. Yes, and had to pay for the long distance calls. Well, we could probably go on for several more hours talking about this because okay, the memory, let's do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the memories are just are are endless. But uh, we are approaching the end of this hour, and uh, we're so happy that we had the opportunity to share some of our Christmas memories with you. And we're so glad that uh, John and Susan Fox joined us for this and of course uh, those of you who do listen to us on res radio uh, we're on twice a week john on your station on res radio the award-winning galaxy moonbeam night sight show yes and we and on wednesdays we're on at uh, twelve thirty, following the award-winning newscast that you do on uh, call it today Monday through, today, Friday, Monday through Friday. Friday exactly and uh, we're heard again at uh, 1.30 on sundays uh, on uh, res radio in so, between gun smoke and what do we have you between? Gunsmoke and My Favorite and my Husband? My Favorite Husband, yeah. yeah. So we're right in the middle of all those great old radio shows, Mike. Isn't that neat? We're right in there with the big time. With My Favorite Husband. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have a favorite husband? No, my aunt, my aunt Minnie had seven of them. None of them were favorites. I liked Uncle Nat. He was cool. He'd let us drink out of the bourbon bottle. I'm sure he gave you a nice Christmas present, too. <laughs> well, I think about the holiday. And the holiday, I, yeah. Yeah, I miss Hermie. Yeah. He was the hamster we sent into space with the water-propelled oh, intergalactic Mattel rocket. Uh-oh. He didn't make it. Well, he made it, but... Hopefully he's still floating around happily out there somewhere. Well, oh, I space. think a sudden stop back to planet Earth is what got Hermie. Uh, okay. It isn't the takeoff, it's <laughs> the landing. It's the landing. It's the landing. Well, we want to thank you uh, for uh, joining us on our program today, and we do want to hear from you. If you have any memories of any holidays, things that you recall, either Halloween, Thanksgiving, or Christmas, make sure that you send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightsite.com. And don't forget our Facebook page. We do have a Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsite page on Facebook. If you're a Facebook fan, make sure that you look in on us and have a look at the pictures that we have there. And uh, like us, uh, friend us if you please, and that way you'll be able to see all of our updates whenever we post them. John, Susan, we want to thank you for joining us, and we sure hope that you come back and visit us again sometime. Great fun, absolutely. You betcha. Okay, sounds good. Well, until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. I'm John. And I'm Susan. And we thank you for joining us, folks. We'll look forward to having you with us again next time. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.